Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, y'all? Welcome into another episode of Believe in Kentucky on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals, alongside the 96 MOP of the NCAA tournament, Tony T.D. Delp. My name is Vinny Hardy. What's up, T.D.? Man, nothing much, man. Happy to be joining you today, as always. Thursday at 4 o'clock, we'll be trying to get it popping, man. So, hey, doing what we do. We got a great guest on because, as y'all know, it's, it's week one of SEC football. This gentleman was the Gatorade High School Player of the Year coming out of Mississippi in 1999. Went and played four years at Auburn, then went and played a decade in the NFL with the Redskins, the Bengals, the Bears, the Raiders. We're talking about former Auburn quarterback, and co-host of the Believe in Everything Auburn podcast, Jason Campbell. Jason, welcome to Believe in Kentucky, man. How you doing? Hey, man. I'm doing good, man. I'm surrounded by all this this royal blue, you know, today. <laughs> you know, so, you know, <laughs> you know, every now and then, y'all, y'all need a little darker shade of blue. So I'm going to help y'all out. Oh, little, oh little, is, is, that, is that how you with us, blue. man? Is that how you going to make the sound? Oh, man, it's cold-blooded. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I want to welcome y'all to the SEC, you know, SEC football. You know, Kentucky Kentucky finally made it to the football reigns. We coming, SEC, man. You know. we coming. Y'all just like us in basketball. We finally made it to the SEC reigns in basketball. Hey, so, hey, 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 don't, yeah. don't, don't even get me started with what, what happened, man, <laughs> last year, man. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm still I'm still disappointed. I, I still talk to my dude, uh, Marquise Daniel. That's my dude. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, Marquise. Of course, of course, another one of y'all fam- famous alumni, Chuck. Yep. And uh, so them dudes are all happy and excited. I said, man, you know what? We'll, we'll see y'all again. We'll, we'll, we'll see y'all again. We will. <laughs> but I tell you what, I tell you what, the dude that, you know, we'll get into a little, we'll, we'll get back into some football, but I tell you, the way Tyler Hero played last night, oh, we yeah, needed he that Tyler Hero last year. We needed him. Yeah. Now, he balled last night against the, uh, against the Miami Heat. I mean, not against Miami, against the Celtics. Yeah, he, uh, you know what? They're a dangerous team, though. I tell people, I say, man, if they meet up against the Lakers, they better watch out. It, you know what? It, it's funny you say that, too, because the one thing they have, out of our four teams that are remaining, you know, the, the leadership is something that's so important. You can contest this. Mm-hmm. And, and football, you know, definitely being at the helm, is when you have a leader, you start seeing guys respond totally different. and. Yeah. What I see with Jimmy Butler, I know he's had a couple of different stints at different uh, different organizations, but everywhere he's gone, I mean, you can't say that that cat don't work hard, man. That that cat 
is a hard worker. And if you want them dudes to not on board, you know, he gonna call you out. And I think sometimes the younger generation don't understand there's a difference between competing and working hard. But when you can put those two together, it separates you from just the average person. And I think that's the one thing with, with Jimmy Butler that I thought was so important to Philly when they lost to Toronto last year was that mm-hmm. seeing the Philly team this year was totally different because there was no leader. No one, right. no one held them dudes accountable. And the one thing with Jimmy Butler, he will hold your ass accountable. Exactly. And, that, and you see that, though. Like I got told them boys, they play with a lot of tenacious. And uh, anytime you got a team that plays with grit and tenacious attitude, like, and they can shoot, like, you, know, you, you never know. Everyone's trying to just hand the trophy over to the Lakers right now. But I say – Guys, it's not so fast. You know, this Denver team, you know, like I said, they got a leader in Murray and uh, Jokic, you know. And then you think about, you know, everyone knows about LeBron. But at the same time, these young boys in Miami, man, people better watch out. Yeah. Yeah, they getting it. They getting it. So since we on, since we're talking about basketball, I want to get over to football. I know you're going to know more about the conference than mm-hmm. probably V and I do. How's this Auburn team looking this year? How's the uh, – speaking of leadership, who's going to be the leader of – of the Auburn Tigers this year. Yeah, man, I'll sell y'all sell short, man. We know y'all trying to stay humble till y'all come down here and say, <laughs> try to sneak up on it. I'll sell y'all sell short, but we going uh, – I'd probably say for the Auburn team on offense, everybody knows Bo Nitz. Everything always starts with the quarterback. Um, you know, the main thing about our team this year, we're going to have four new starters at the offensive line position. The only ones coming back is our center. Um, you know, we have a three-headed monster backfield uh, with Shivers and – DJ Williams and Tank Bisby, our new recruit we got this year. But when you look at the defense side of the ball, it's KJ Britt, you know, the linebacker. He reminds me a lot of a, a London Fletcher. You know, people can remember that name to play for Washington, play for the St. Louis Rams. You know, he has that type of mindset and that type of grit. So he's going to be the guy leading the defense. You know, we lost two big starters last year, Derrick Brown, Marlon Davidson. But uh, we got a couple of young guys that are going to be trying to replace them. And you just don't replace a guy like Derrick Brown. You know, you just uh, try to do it by committee. But I, I expect it to be a really good game. Because Kentucky, if I have to say that, I think out of the whole SEC, they got the most returning starters and uh, on offense and defense. So it's going to be definitely a, a hard-fought ball game. Yeah. Go ahead, V. I know – and they look just for the record, TD. I, I was on the Believe in Auburn podcast yesterday with Jason <laughs> and, and Taylor Davis. I, I was holding it down for us, so I just just oh. so you know. <laughs> so, he held his own, man. He held his own. It's a homie. Hey, yeah, man. Hey, yeah. hey, so what you're saying is, hey, y'all double teamed them, man. You know what I'm saying? Come on, B. Yeah, Come on, know, man. Taylor was a little nicer to him than me, though. You know what I'm saying? I, I had to, I had to get him with, get him late in the game. <laughs> <laughs> It's a home and home. So I was on their turf yesterday, and now, you know, Jason over here with us today. But, you know, it's a COVID thing. It's weird. 2020 is just upside down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I told y'all yesterday, you know, Mark Stoops said there had been a little bit of a flare up with a position group. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm thinking he was talking about the DBs that might have had a little COVID issue because he said they were thin at that position. And I can't really talk about it a lot. Yeah. Auburn had some issues throughout the summer with it. Are they at full strength now? Are they still got some dudes that's out? How are they right now? As, as well, for the first time, Vinny, last week, they all tested neg- I mean, they all tested uh, negative for the uh, coronavirus. So that was a good sign because the week before, a week and a half before that, six players had tested positive for the virus. And uh, a lot of those were starters. And then uh, at one point during the summer, I think we had almost 17, 20 guys that had tested positive. 
So, you know, it's a great sign that now heading to week one that no one's tested positive. So that means they're kind of getting it under control. And to me, that means the players are finally taking the onus of being accountable to one another. And uh, like, like I said, I said, man, 18, 22-year-old, yes, you want to be out at some of the parties. Yeah, you want to be a regular college kid. You want to enjoy college life. But this point in time in 2020, it just calls for a different mindset. And uh, and I think these guys got to understand, like, look, we want to have a season to get through a healthy and have a chance to compete for a championship, then we owe it to each other to stay away from parties, you know, stay away from, you know, large crowds or doing anything that would jeopardize a person catching it that can pass it on to another teammate. So if there's anything I tell this year is football games and basketball are going to be won by the leadership of the players and not the coaches this year because the wow. coaches can't be with them away from the field. So really, so really it's, it's players holding each other accountable is what it sounds like. Uh, Jason, what, what has been what has been the recovery time from someone who has caught the virus? Like, like really, no, we know about people who have caught it, and I know everybody's body responds differently. But for those young athletes, are these guys back in seven to ten days, or is it longer? What have you been hearing about the uh, about how long it's taking them to come back from these from from the from the virus? Yeah, like I said, most of these young guys, I think most of them are like asymptomatic, as they're saying, and uh, usually it takes them maybe anywhere between, you know, four and ten days. After four days, some of them are feeling better. You know, some okay. of them takes ten days, you know, they're feeling better. But I think, you know, by rule, I think they have to quarantine some of them for like 14 days, uh, just okay. based off the fact unless they start to show really good signs and they get tested again, they know that the virus is gone. I think the only thing that helps out an athlete is they're so active. You know, you so actually right. sweat out a lot of stuff. And uh, I mm -hmm. think that what helps them is that because they're so active before they probably caught the virus, that their body is still fighting against it. And I think that what helps them come out of it faster than, than probably an older person. And I think, like you said, not having any underlying health issues also helps. Mm -hmm. And then, like you, like you just contested to, is being young, you know, right. being able to have a, a much stronger immune system. And, you know, I, I think what the NBA did was kind of unique along with, you know, uh, NHL and seeing like MLB is going to do it at some point in time, have the uh, two different bubbles. But, you know, that was something I think Adam Silver, you know, because at some point in time, someone was going to have to be the first to do it. Right. And uh, I just thought it was kind of it was different. It was unique in how they did it. And, you know, V and I talked about this on other podcasts with just how good the games were like even when you go to a bubble mm. is how are the guys going to be focused you know how the how the how's the play going to be are the guys in shape and when i tell you man it was like guys were so excited to come back kind of like how the nfl season is you know you see these guys and nobody have any preseason games but mm -hmm. you can tell these guys are ready you know and i think as americans you know we always when we're having crisis in this country you know and i want to get into the brianna taylor you know a little bit a little bit later but mm -hmm. when we're having crisis we've always turned to sports sports has always right. been the one thing that kind of uplifted this country and that's what we saw when we was going through this pandemic like there was nothing going on so right. when when an incident like george floyd happened earlier is that the whole world got a chance to witness mm -hmm. it and see it I think as a culture, you know, we've been knowing about it for so long. And I just think everyone around the world got a chance to witness that. And I think the temperature right now is totally different for our culture. But just how sports has always been an outlet from whatever goes on in this country. And like I said, just to get the NFL back playing, the NBA star, the MLB, NHL, it gave us something to do positive, I would right. say.
What do you think about that? What do you think about everything that's happened leading up into us having a, a basketball, a football, and an MLB and the NHL season? No, that's a good point, Tony. When I think about, uh, you know, this summer, like you say, when the George Floyd case happened, you know, wasn't it? There was no sports on TV, and and when it happened, it took everyone by by storm. And we're and we've been saying, I said, like, man, this has been going on. You right. know, it's just that they have been paying attention. And the reason they have been paying attention because everyone just kind of brushed things to the side and just keep things moving. But because the world and the country is at a standstill because of the pandemic, it makes you focus on things a lot more. And right. this is something that happened right in the heart of it. And it and it and it, I have white friends. And uh and like I said, some of them felt really horrible and really bad. And they were just calling me and saying, Jay, you know, I apologize, man, for for anything or you know, this is not who all of us is not this way, you know, mm-hmm. and, and everything. They was just asking the question, what is it that we can do to help? And I told them, I said, you can help by just, you know, educating your friends that, you know, and some that you wow. know that feel that certain way, you know, when that subject comes up, don't just shy away from it. Like be a, be a root, like sit there in the midst of it and explain to them like how you have black friends and how close you are to them. And, and how, to, how you see us and how you view us and how you think right. that they should change their mindset and everything. I said, the ones that know better have to have got to start speaking up against the ones that don't know better. And wow. a lot of that stuff is taught. Like, whatever you've been taught as a kid, it's going to stick with you until you're grown enough to know, like, this is not the way. And, mm. for, and for me, you know, my parents taught us to love everybody. And, right. you know, and that's how I grew up. Now, there are certain guys like you see, for example, like say someone had a dad that wasn't in their life growing up. Okay, so when you become a father, first thing you want to do is say, I know what it felt like not to have a daddy, so I'm going to be present in my son's life or my mm-hmm. daughter's life. So right. it's the same way when it comes to racism. Like, okay, if a person was taught racism at a young age, but now you're old enough to understand for yourself that how wrong racism is, then you should say to yourself, like, I know what I was taught but I'm changing the, the family's line. Like, mm. no longer, I'm not teaching my kids racism. You know, right. I'm going to teach my kids a different way. And that's how you break the cycle. So we're in a point now where in our lives where either people going to come together and break the cycle or we about to sink back 60 years. And Ooh, so, so we got to make a decision now. Like, what do we want to do? What do we want to do moving forward? And then you talk about sports. Sports has always been a healing process in the community. Uh, even yes. in high school, college, like everyone always builds around the community team. And if you're a black and white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever on the football team, basketball team, baseball, if you can come together and play together in a sport and people see you come together and win, why can't you use that same motto when you're outside the sport to come together as a community so that we're all winning in the community? And, mm. and, and that's how I just look at things. I tell them, I say, how can you love me? If you're a white person, I would say, how can you love me if I got that one seven on my back throwing touchdowns, we're winning games and we're going to championships. But as soon as I come off that field, I'm no longer loved because of my color by some. I said, I said, how that's is that you. even? I say, you shouldn't love me any different than you love me throwing the ball for a touchdown. I was just like, if you call right. yourself you know, a, a good person, a person that, you know, that believes in, you know, holding everyone to the same standard. I was just like, but the main thing, Tony and Vinny, 
the one thing we all got coming, we all bleed red on the inside. Mm. And uh, and you wasn't in the thing is you didn't even create yourself. So I'm just right. saying, if you didn't create yourself and we all bleed red, what makes it so different for you to feel more privileged than the other person? And even if you've seen it be this way for the last 400 years, why not you want to be the first group to say, you know what, I'm changing things in my generation to make things better this time moving forward. I'm not going backwards. And I would, I would have to say that too, because, you know, I, I will say this generation has really stood up, man, you know, and that's where the difference is even during our time was that we wasn't as outspoken, you know, cause even right. now, you know, we're seeing Michael Jordan who wasn't outspoken then, you know, he's out, he's speaking more he's now, you know, more he, now, he's yep. a part of, he's a part of the movement. Cause like mm -hmm. you said, no child. And, and I've said this before, no child is born racist. So, right. Evidently, it's that household they grow up in, and how can we change the narrative? The narrative is changed with the parents saying, "Okay, mm -hmm. this is not this is not acceptable." And you write about the friends of ours, and when you you see another you know person of of, of your race, and they start saying things that are discriminating against the the, the different cultures, is you mm -hmm. got to correct them right away. That's not cool right. anymore. You know, it, it's never right. been cool. You know what I'm saying? Right. But don't be silent because I think so many right. times. You're silent because you're like, what do I say? This is my friend. And because sometimes you have to distance yourself from friends like that, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. and, and that's something that I think people, when it comes to pride and understanding, what do I have to do as an individual? And, uh, you know, and sometimes, like I said, the separation from people who don't have the same belief or when they don't have empathy towards mm -hmm. what is going on in America today, I have a problem with that. You know what I'm right. saying? And I think that's where all of us, you know, with our podcasts, our platforms, we've been able to, to voice our opinion. And we think about this 15, 20 years ago, I don't think no one would have listened. It would have been like, okay, yeah, right, just a disgruntled black man or mm -hmm. disgruntled this person right here. And but so now- you have all those camera phones back then. Now you got camera phones, you. you got the internet, everything. Mm -hmm. So everybody always say, I said, no, I said, this has always been going on. It's just getting Absolutely. caught more now because of the camera <laughs> phones and because of social media. There was a guy I used to work with for several years, and he was, I was there talking to him, and he was a, about to say something, you know, derogatory about mm -hmm. some Hispanic people, and, you know, about to make a joke, about to say some stuff. And, and I just looked at him, and I said, now, I said, 50 years ago, you'd have been saying this about me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and he, oh, oh, well, oh, 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 and, and it shook him. Oh, oh yeah. well, I didn't mean, but it he it made him think about what he was doing, and it kind of jolted him. I was like, "Well, you, you saying it about, you know, uh, a person of Latino descent now, but if this was, you know, 1960, you'd have been saying the same thing about me that you're about All to right. say." And so, it, you know, changing that mindset, like y'all been talking about, um, breaking the streak of the way yeah, you gotta change the mindset and change the barriers, and uh, that's why I'm always saying I was just like, guys. I said, even in a young black culture, like black black men to black men, I said, we got to start respecting one another. I said, we have to start changing the culture in our young black man to expect more, expect better. You know, we so easily influence a lot, a lot of times by, by the wrong things. And I tell guys, I'm like, look, anything worth achieving, you're going to have to work hard for it. I said, someone, I said, no one's just going to walk up to you and hang you a million dollars. I said, that's just not going to happen. I said, so if you're expecting that, 
you need to quickly change your mindset. I like, you got to get out. You got to work hard. You got to earn it. I say, cause when you earn something, when you do get it, you respect it more. You take care of it. It's the same thing in society. When you, when, when we start doing better, then our kids do better. So like I tell my white friends, I say, guys, when you do better, then your kids going to do better. If they see how you treat us, they going to treat they love, they love black friends the same way. I said, because if you put a black kid, a white kid, an Asian kid, all in a the room, they all under five year old, five years old, they all going to play together like there's no tomorrow. I said, but then once they get 10 years old, you always see the separation starts. And you'd be like, what's going on? It's because somebody done said something in the household and the kid done heard it. And now there's, they're, they're being taught that. So all this stuff, man, can be helped and we can be healed from it and be better. But is all of it going to change? No, not all of it's going to change. But if we can just flip the course 70%, 30%, we'll be well, well, well ahead of the game. Because right now we are flat out divided as a country and we need to come together more so than ever. And I think to your point, Jason, I think, like you said, man, I think as as men, you know, we got to start doing more for ourselves and and not always downgrading. I think a lot of times, you know, I think with our culture, there's, there's jealousy amongst us. And if we can get rid of the jealousy and some of the hate, because, oh, yeah, we know there's a lot of, you know, black on black crime that's taking place. And don't think that, you know, we're not that we're not immune to that, you know, mm-hmm. that most of the time that that's happening and some of it because of, you know, it's the ego thing, you know, mm-hmm. and I think, and not being educated and not having mm-hmm. a father in your household. So now you turn into maybe a gang or someone else that you consider to be your family, you know? Right. So when we, when, when we talk to, even when I talk to my, you know, my kids and, you know, and I just tell them, I said, you know, love is love. I said, you mm-hmm. got to understand, you know, you got to respect every man. And especially as you get older, you know, is not to be disrespected, but also respect every man you encounter because you don't know what kind of day that person is having. Right. And you, we only get one life. So I can't right. be messing around trying to be a tough guy with, you know, with me having a family, having to raise kids, mm-hmm. having to take care of people. So now it's about using our brain. And a lot of it is communication. Right. I, I think we miss out on communicating with each other and kind of sitting down and kind of figuring things out and saying, how can we as a society become better? And most of that is sitting down and understanding like, you know, what are our viewpoints? What are our ultimate goals? You know, how can we help our kids, help their kids at some point in time? And if we don't have that conversation, I think that's what we miss out on just, you know, being more of a leader, but also when it comes down to making family decisions, I think everyone has to be involved, you know, because you have to think about our future. What is our future 15, 20 years from now? Where have we come from since, you know, the 2000s to where we're at now? And we're seeing some change and it's a lot better than it was in the 90s. And of course, you know, we can't even go back to what happened in the 50s and 60s. Because, I mean, that's that's something that as I sit back and watch and have watched, you know, videos and movies, I'm like, man, you know, just imagine living in that time to where we're at right right to this day. Oh yeah. That's it. Having fun chopping it up on the serious stuff, the fun stuff. Glad to have you on with us, Jason. Uh, Always. Yeah. Preview the game too, but definitely hit the current events that's uh been on yeah, every Yeah, yeah. You know, we got a game out there, but at the same time though, you know, society, man, means a lot more at the time because we're in some some serious, serious times right now. And uh 
And like I said, man, we, we got two ways we're either going to go. And uh, it's up to us to get out, educate one another. Everybody got to get out and vote. Um, you know, that's the other thing. And, uh, and just take things seriously. You know, I think sometimes it's like, you know, like Tony was saying, you know, as a black man, a lot of times we've been our own worst enemy against each other when it comes to like picking one another up. You know, like yes. we'll put one down just to get our own foot up instead of just saying, hey, I'm not going to put you down. I'm just going to bring you with me, you know, and, and we're going to try to go up. But we have got to stop expecting handouts, too, is what I tell somebody. I say, Ooh. I say, when you start to go up, I need you to be able to carry your own weight while we're going up together. I say, because if I'm trying to go up, but every time I go up, I got to take from what I just made when I was going up and give it back down every time I said that I'm never moving up. So then you can't even keep moving up the ladder because we're not even pushing each other. Mm. I said, but, and I told him, I said, everything don't have to be money. Like that's the other thing. We always think that money is the, the answer. Like it doesn't have to be money. I said, you surround yourself with five people that know how to do things a certain way. I like whatever you recall a great living in your mindset, surround yourself with those five type of people. I said, you'll go up. I said, but you surround yourself around five people that's negative or want to go down. I don't care how positive you are. That negative mindset going to sink into you. And then you next thing you know, you're going to become one of them. So, mm. you know, you are what you hang around and you become what you hang around. And I'm always telling young guys that I say, you can tell me everything. I said, show me your five closest friends. I tell you who you are. Wow. That's big time right there. I, I think, you know, it's funny you say that too, because, you know, my circle has always been small. And, mm -hmm. you know, I haven't had like an entourage. It's been probably me and one or two other guys. And like you said, I mean, those are friends that I grew up with back in elementary and 46 years old. And these guys mm -hmm. are still my friends to this day. We still talk two or three times a day. And, you know, guys who are spiritual, guys who understand the importance of a family. But, right. you know, what, what, I've, what I've learned from them is, is that every decade you should be wiser and better. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, 20s, in our 20s, we're still trying to find out who we were. We finally became independent. And then when you get to your 30s, you know, you really are, are you know, your foundation should be set by then. You know, when you right. get to 40, as I was telling someone, I say it's different when, you know, things that happen in your 40s and 50s could be devastating to your life, you know, for the mm -hmm. next 20 or 30 years. So, your decisions change every decade, you know, and some people year to year, but I say what I have established is that we all like stability, security, like those are things that are important, you know, and as I try to tell my kids is, you know, being stable. So, you know, being, having played on so many different teams, you know, my most success was probably being at Kentucky when I was able to stay somewhere for four years, you know, set up a foundation and, and then I could start seeing myself grow because, I was familiar with the environment. I knew a system. And as I speak to my AAU teams and my fall league and winter league teams, I always tell them, I say, you know, when you have good structure, you discipline, I said, you get different results. Mm -hmm. And they were like, coach, what do you mean? I said, you get different results because I think I respond better to knowing, okay, a routine is structured. I have to be disciplined. And then you have, like I said, leadership, as we talked about earlier, leadership is so important. And especially for younger kids to understand, like, you know, everybody's not meant to be a leader. Some people are great followers. But once you can establish a leader on your team and a leader is the hardest working pe uh, person, everybody else will be held to a different standard. You know what I'm saying? And then you're going to look yeah. up and say, you know, I want to be like that person because, you know, 
they respect me and they're also putting in the work. So the hard work is going to pay off. It's, it's, it's not going to be instant. It's not going to be like a FedEx or a UPS. I think mm-hmm. so many times people want success overnight. And we know it takes years, years. to become successful. Yep. Absolutely. And that's a common thing between the two of you all. Tony, you talked about it on several different episodes, how you played for several different teams and you didn't have that continuity. Jason, I think of the same thing with you. So many different offensive coordinators throughout your career. How did you approach it? Was it frustrating? What was y'all's mindsets as y'all had to deal with that constant change? That's for fun. Yeah, when I had to learn all those offenses, uh, I was talking earlier on a show. I said, I told people, I said, I used to try to find the the similarities between the two. Um, you know, what can I, what can I carry over? You know, into the next one that can kind of help me get through the process as far as like making it feel normal. Uh, but the most thing is about change is whether you accept it or not, it's there. And that's how I looked at having a new offense coordinator. I said I could get mad about it, I could get frustrated about it, but guess what? I'm still going to have to learn this new offense. So I said right. I'd rather get rid of the frustration and get rid of the, the madness and just focus on what's at hand and say, let me just take it by storm, get in here, study as much as I can, go out here, practice as hard as I can practice, and make sure I can take it to the field and just control what I can control. Because I said I don't make the business decisions. Uh, but at the same time, football taught me a lot about life. You go through so many different changes. There's highs, there's ups, there's downs. But that's, that's life. But um, it's all about how you approach situations, man. Like I tell people, everything starts with a mindset. If I approach it with that negative mindset, then that's exactly what's going to happen. But if I approach it with a positive mindset, I had success in all those offenses, even though I had to learn new ones. I just never got a chance to keep elevating because mm. of all the change. I say, right. but it wasn't me. I, was, I still was successful because of my mindset, but, you know, I could only control what I could. And also, I think, you know, what made, what made you successful too, Jason, that you loved it. You mm-hmm. love something, you know, you was right. passionate about what you were doing, you know. So if you didn't really love it, then, of course, you been like, man, I'm tired of these changes. So kind of to you, to my point is I was the same way, you know, because everywhere I felt I went, you know, I always, you know, achieved. I always played hard. I was successful. I played well. And it was just like mm-hmm. not to say I felt like somebody gave up on me. I'm like, I don't care what y'all do. I know what I'm going to bring. Regardless of where I go, I learned how to adapt. So many people can't adapt to new surroundings, new environment, because they are kind of stuck in, you know, a system. I said, but can you have success outside of a system? And I said, that's the one thing I had success in the system and also had success out of the system because you have to be able to do things outside of the box. You know, we can even think about, you know, Tom Brady spending so many years with the Patriots. It's right. like, man, he's going to the Buccaneers? How – How's that going to work out? You know what I'm saying? Like, right, I, I'm, right. I'm thinking about, I'm like, man, you spent 20 years somewhere, <laughs> right. and now I got to go leave and go. Although Tampa's nice, don't get me wrong, I do, do love yeah. Tampa, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. But it's still a change that, you know, you're not ready for, you know, because I look at it because even when I was signing as free agent in different places, man, weather made, a point, made, weather made a difference in where I went. Like, if I had great weather, man, I played extremely well. <laughs> right. Because like, I didn't want to get back. I didn't want to get traded hey, to the feel cold. You. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I played some places that was that was too cold. I played in, ooh, we don't even talk about it. It made me cold now. We don't even worry about it. But, <laughs> like, yes, it does make a difference playing in warm cities. Yeah, yeah. So so did, did you think there was going to be a um, – uh, a season this year in in in, uh, in college football. What what were you thinking? What were your thoughts? Man, on that? I tell you what, everyone knows in the South, football is like another religion. 
I said, <laughs> I said, they gonna make sure football happens. <laughs> I said, you know, I said, they gonna do exactly what they gotta do to make football happen. I said, you seeing it, like there's no fans in some games and, and, but you watch it on TV, it feels normal until you see the stands. I said, and then, and it gotta feel weird to a player. You know, when you're so used to feeding off the energy of the fan and not having those fans there, you know, that's a mindset within itself. Like, you mentally got to tell yourself, like, okay, we got to feed off each other because we don't have our third our, our third man, our 12th man here right. to get us going. So it's definitely been a difference. But there was one point I thought, I said, okay, it, it may not be no more sports for the rest of this year. And then, wow. and then I said – Gosh, I said, man, it's going to be so depressing. I said, because so many people feed off football and basketball and just sports in general, especially in the South, because I know some of these kids. That's when I feel bad was for some of the high school kids and some of these college kids. I said, man, if this always been your ultimate dream and now you reached your dream and you don't even get a chance to do it or perform it, I said, gosh, well, that's hard. I said, that is hard. But at the same time, though, safety always comes first. So, you know, kudos to all the doctors and the nurses and, you know, people that's giving their time, first responders to having to do what they have to do to make sure that, uh, you know, these guys are healthy enough to play the game. You know, without them, this is definitely not possible. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned Auburn having just the center on the offensive line. Um, Kubelik, it was a bad matchup. Radio, would you go that? I mean, having to kind of learn not as much practice time. Uh, <laughs> my man Cole, Cole Kubelik. I would say this: you didn't have an opportunity to have summer summer sports. I mean, summer activities as normal as you as you used to do. And then the other part of it, you didn't have spring football. Is when you kind of get a chance to get those 15 practices where you do a lot of scrimmaging, you do a lot of throwing guys in certain situations just to see how they respond. So you skip all of that. So now here, here you go in training camp, you just like, man, you know, we got to get to the first game healthy. And so these coaches are looking at it like, I can't have my ones hitting my ones as hard as they can like they would in a game because this year is more important than any other year. We got to have depth at, at every position. We have to be too deep. Because if one kid gets COVID or something, then that kid is out. The next man got to be ready to step up. Or if someone gets hurt, because we've seen across the NFL, NFL had seven ACL injuries last week. Wow. Like seven. Like, that's crazy. So you think about why is this happening? It's because you didn't have an opportunity to have a normal summer with all the activities in the body move. I say you can train all day long. You can lift weights. You can run. You can do ladder drills. You do all that all day long. But until you get out there between them lines and you're doing football movement drills, football movement activities against someone, that's when your body starts to take form and take shape for football action. And, um, and that's what's going on now. So when I think about this game on Saturday – I tell people, I say, the game is going to be won by who tackles the best. I said, if you're a kid out there, you like, man, I'm trying to go lay somebody out because I ain't played ball nowhere. I'm ready to hit somebody. And you go out there trying to lay the lumber on somebody, you missing them or you hit them and they still standing up. But if somebody go out there and they check their ego and say, you know what, this ain't the game for that. This is the game. I need to go out here and make sure I get the person to the ground. We need to wrap up. We need to gain tackle as a group. 
And uh, the team that tackles the best is the team, I think, that wins this game and team that has the least amount of penalties. Because there will be penalties because it is the first game and there will be some holding, there will be some grabbing. So, you know, the team that's most disciplined and tackles the best is the successor. I think you, I think the last point is, you know, something that I was getting ready to bring up was just being disciplined, you know, following, mm-hmm. following the game plan. And I think that's where, you know, the young kids, you know, have to understand do your job, you know what I'm saying? And doing your job is, you know, being consistent at doing your job. So understanding, you know, who you are and, and going out there in the team sport and doing your part, you know, then once everybody does their part, you know, now, you know, you walk away, it could be win or loss or, you know, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the win, but also how you can grow and get better, you know, each and every possession. I think how, how the football season has been, especially in NFL, you know, it's just – like you said, with all the injuries, and we talking about big name injuries, just yeah, not like yeah. your, your fifth man getting hurt. I'm like, man, like both of them, like wow. star players, yeah. yeah it's over with already. I'm like, but you know, it's different when you go from practicing to playing because the intensity level is at an all it's an all time high because you can practice, but the way you exert yourself in a football game, a a basketball, baseball game, hockey game. It's totally different from practice just hanging out with the guys. You know, it's like watching a kid that's really good going through cones, shooting the ball, great handles. I'm like, cones don't have hands, cones don't have feet. So until you put a live body in front of someone to make them react, you know, to make them use force, I say it's not real. And when you don't get those few preseason games or lengthy practice under your belt, your body responds totally different. Because now I'm taking my body from A to Z and my body – is used to taking steps along the way. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel bad for for those guys that have gotten hurt because a lot of it is, you know, not having that training camp, man, right. and, and body build up to, you know, to a real game. But, um, you know, I, I still love the game. I, you know, just – I know I know Vinny is a huge <laughs> Cowboys fan. I, oh, I can't, man, good. Great. You could have said anybody else with them. Listen, you like me. But, but, I'm, but, so, but you know what's so funny? So I'm in the gym and – Somebody told me to score. I'm like, man, Cowboys about to be 0-2. So, you know, I'm ecstatic yeah, about right, that. I'm right. like, so, somebody walk in and say they won the game. I'm like, man, how, how is that possible? That, that, but, you know, went back and, and watched and the, the Falcons don't need to play no more in, te- in the state of Texas. You know, because that's what happened to them in the Super Bowl. <laughs> the same thing happened again against the Cowboys. And this has never been done in history where a team in the NFL – one team had four turnovers, and the other team had zero turnovers and 39 points and lost. Never. But they made they made history again. History with the Super Bowl, and then history with this. With this, I was just like, man. But you know, hey, you know, hey. We'll we'll take we'll take it. We got to play a whole lot more going to Seattle than we've been playing. I'll say that. I give you this much, Vinny. Y'all might have got robbed a little bit the first game on the pass interference call. Thank you. I mean, that was I, – I give you that. That's some good acting by Jalen Ramsey. Uh, you know, I think that would have gave y'all the opportunity to win that game. So, I, I give you that one. So, y'all about even, about 1-1. One, one. So, but going to Seattle, dangerous Russ. Yeah, Russ. Z, he already hit the ground on Z. I mean <laughs> – <laughs> no nothing, but he's in midseason form already. Right. So, you know, I look forward to that game. There's some good games this weekend, though. You got that game, you got KC, Baltimore. Um, you know, looking forward to seeing Mahomes and, 
and my boy, you know, Jackson, you know, do their thing against each other. That's going to be probably the most watched game this year. Uh, mm-hmm. then, you get, then you think about you got Green Bay and New Orleans. That's going to be a, a great game. Seattle, Dallas, another great game. Um, there's one more huge game in there. I can't, I can't get it off the top of my head right now, but it, it's, it's, it's a couple of really good games this weekend people need to pay close attention to. So, so do you, you think right now, I know it's, it's funny how it's after you lose a game, you know, with, with the Saints losing to the Raiders, that mm-hmm. now it's like Drew Brees doesn't have the same type of velocity on this ball. And I'm like, come on, after, after, after <laughs> weeks, we talking about the man can't throw now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm just right. like, you know, and, and so it, it's not us as media, but it's yeah. the other people who are looking at him like, you know, he's missing his top receiver. And for the most part, teams are going to make adjustments. Like when you got a, a week to prepare and you know how it is, it's, it's so mm-hmm. much different in football than it is in basketball during the regular season because, you know, you might play Milwaukee today, you might play Orlando. So you mm-hmm. you must have flying around, but when you can really just sit there and do a scout report and have four or five days to prepare for a team, you know, that's when you really can, you know, can really take things away from them, especially if your top receiver is not there. So when I start hearing comments like that, I'm like, velocity is gone. It's like, oh, Tom Brady is lost. I'm like, Tom Brady's in a new, a new system, a real, a, a, a new right. thing. You've been in the system for 20 years. Yeah. And now I go somewhere and now I, I can't play football anymore. So. Most guys, 20 years, they don't retire. <laughs> you know, so. Hey, we talking about like 13, 14 yeah, years. Yeah, you know, this guy, yeah, exactly. This guy is playing like, you know, Bionic Man or something. You know, he like, he just, you know, he's just still going. But when you think about, you know, Tampa Bay, I was watching their first game. You can tell that they not there yet. Because, like I said, this is Brady and Grunt first time on a new team. Right. First time being with a new coach. And you didn't have a preseason to have live action with your, your, your new targets. So you're learning and playing on the fly. And, you know, yeah, you know, you know this more than anybody, Tony. It all comes down to chemistry. Yes. So these guys are still trying to build their chemistry together. And I think once they get their chemistry together, you know, they'll, they'll start off to roll off some victories and everything. But, you know, people have this notion, oh, it's Tom Brady. They're going 16-0. and 0. No, Tom Brady struggled last year in New England. He did. You no, know, people don't realize that. He struggled last year in New England. But when I look at, you know, the New Orleans Saints, I look at Breeze, I'm saying, okay, this was a different offseason. It was a real difficult offseason for Breeze, you know, based off the comments he had said and everything about the whole, you know, he didn't understand the the whole notion behind the flag and, and everything. And, and, and so he took a lot of flat. He took a lot of heat, and rightfully so, you know. But at the same time, when you're a leader that's outspoken in a community like that, and then you feel like you get ambushed, like it, it messes with your mind a little bit because you're you're trying to say, man, I don't want people to think that of me. That's not who I am, you know? Right. So now you're spending so much extra energy trying to prove to people that that's not who you are about what you said. Right. You said something you shouldn't have said. So now a lot of that football energy has got exalted towards that. And now here it is, okay, Football season is here. And you're like, dang, you know, now I got to change my whole mindset to football season. And you don't have your top target. You in, uh, you in Las Vegas. That was the first time for the Raiders in that stadium. Yes, they didn't have no fans, but still, though, it's new. And let's be honest, the Raiders had a lot of young talent. You know, they, they did a really good job. But at the same time, 
you know, does Breeze look older than normal? Yes, he look. I, I confess that he looks older than than normal. But at the right. same time, you wouldn't say that in the first quarter of that game. In the first quarter of the game, he was making some throws. He was making some plays. I just feel like the Raiders caught momentum, and Breeze without his top target, and they couldn't get the run game going. Mm-hmm. I feel like they lost some, lost their lost their edge, and I think that's the reason they end up losing that game. But if you're a professional player as well as anybody knows, you know this, Tony, as well. You know, Vinny just being a professional business. Anytime you get knocked down, the first thing you want to do is get back to that field or get back to that basketball court to redeem yourself. So yes, that's sir. why I say this week, New Orleans may not have that crowd noise in there with everybody with the bees around their neck going crazy. I said, but you best believe they looking at this as a game that they want to redeem themselves from the performance they had on Monday night and show people – you know, they're not still to be messed with that, you know, they are who they are. They just had an off second half. I got to flip it back to Kentucky Auburn, but the quarterback position, your position of expertise, Jason, Joey Gatewood was the backup to Patrick Nix last year. Joey Gatewood has transferred to Kentucky. (laughs) Not on the depth chart yet. He's, not eligible yet. Bo Nix yeah. is the number two quarterback behind Terry Wilson. Now, you know, Gus and, and your AD and everything got a some kind of gentleman's agreement or, or something that's been going mm. on with this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that, man. I've been trying to figure out why I asked you yesterday. I said, can you please give me the notion about what's really going on? Because I keep hearing this gentleman's handshake or this gentleman's whatever the, the agreement they came upon. I just say from a competitor standpoint – Give me all your guys. Let me play against all of them. You know, and then from a standpoint of Gatewood could play, it would be nice if he could just because simple fact, I think it will be a great story. Um, you know, him coming back playing against his former team in Auburn. And everyone knows that anytime you get you to play against your former team, you know, you want to play good. You want to play well. And I think the guys on the – I think the guys from Auburn would look forward to playing him because, you know, just because of the simple fact that he was a teammate and everything and uh you know it'd just be kind of fun to play against someone that you kind of know a little bit but at the same time you can't just say Gatewood would have just beat out Wilson either you know like let's get this kid some credit you know this kid was balling before he had that knee injury toward the patella tendon you know everyone just wanted to just say oh Gatewood sits sits he's big he's built kind of like Cam Cam Newton statue but at the same time it doesn't mean he would have just won the job, you know, from the kid Wilson, you know, like this kid has had a lot to go through and this kid has, he's a fighter too, and he's a winner. And, uh, and you best believe he's coming out this Saturday trying to hold Gatewood off, you know, so he's going to come out trying to put his best foot forward Saturday against our defense and to let people know like, Hey, I know I might've been hurt. I know the noise around Gatewood, you know, and everything, but, don't forget about me. I'm here. You know, I'm still the guy. So, you know, it's a lot of storylines behind that. And I think uh, last year, you know, with with Bo and everything, mm-hmm. you know, Bo dad was the quarterback, you know, to play at Auburn yeah. and uh, and everything. So, you know, let's not be, you know, let's just be honest. You know, sometimes that pays a big dividends and things, you know, and everything. Plus this kid was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. So I'm pretty sure, you know, he already had a slight edge at that standpoint, but, you know, they supposedly had battered out and he won the job and, and everything. But, you know, I always say this, competition supposed to make the other person better. So if I'm hey. Kentucky, I'm happy about the quarterback situation I have. Yeah, 
Say that again, man. I want to hear that again. Competition, yeah. what? Yeah. Competition makes the other ter- makes the makes the team better and makes the other person better. So th- that's something that I, you know, and you can contest to this, is that I see more and more quarterbacks that mm-hmm. when they don't want job they transfer you know what i'm saying so yeah, it's see, like I don't, that's what i said i don't that's what i said i don't agree with that because even when i was coming out of high school i was number two quarterback in the nation coming out of high school when i got to auburn i signed to play basketball and football at two sports scholarship so i was getting ready after the first year i was getting ready to go play basketball i remember coach tuberville came to me and he said hey you know you got a junior in front of you you got a senior in front of you in football Right. If you want to be a four-year starter at quarterback or have that opportunity, I think you need to, you know, take a real hard look at what you want to do and come out and compete and uh, to keep these guys off of you then. Okay. Well, I took the mindset, like, okay, you know, not a lot of six-five quarterbacks. There's a ton of six-five guards, shooting guards. I was just like, okay, you know, I'm going to stick with football. So when I competed, I had to beat out a junior and senior. I mm-hmm. said, and then I always knew they was in my back hip, though. So oh. knowing that they was in my back hip, it made me work out harder, train harder, because not it's easier to get the job, it's harder to keep the job. And that's why I always Ooh. said, because I said I had to work harder when I got the job just to keep from right. giving up my job. So that's why I say competition. That's why I say if you're a Kentucky fan, you have to be happy right now because you're saying – Shoot, we probably gonna get the best out of Wilson we're gonna get this year because he knows there's a kid Gatewood waiting in the wings. And mm-hmm. so that makes the person in front of you play harder. It makes the guy behind you push you harder. I, I think like, you know, you do need that smoke behind you. And, yeah. and it's it's different, like you said, it's a different when you get the job, but now can you sustain that over a period of time? I think that's mm-hmm. where this younger generation struggle at because they want it to be easy. Cause if it's not easy here, you know, this, what, this, what AAU has done is I'm going to another team. I'm going to another team. Mm-hmm. So now it's just like, I'm going, so until, until the kid looks in the, looks in the mirror and say, man, it's me. I have to work hard. It's not to keep the team that I keep going to because you still are the same person. Nothing has changed. But when you don't, when you run away from competition, and I tell kids this all the time. I say, run away from competition. I say, you're never going to be successful in this sport. I, tell I say, you. Let, let's. All right. This is the honest truth. After my, rich, after my freshman year of playing at Auburn, Ronnie Brown, everyone know he was the number two pick in the draft to the Dolphins in 05. And we was, we was roommates in college. He was about to transfer. I was about to transfer. And my dad talked to us and he said, Son, just because, you know, things came so easy for you in high school doesn't mean it's going to come that easy for you in college. But if you ride the wave and let the adversity times teach you more lessons, he said, it won't always be this hard. He said, but if you change, you're always going to keep going through a revolving door because you never got a chance to get the lesson that you should have learned through the adversity. So when he when he told me that and Ronnie – we was just like, man, you know, like we stayed. <laughs> and when we stayed, I didn't start my sophomore year off. The senior quarterback did. The six-year senior quarterback started. But I was still playing a little bit. And then it got to a point where I was pushing him so hard and I worked so harder than him that I overtook him for the job. And I never looked back for the rest of my career at Auburn. And I ended up being a first-round draft pick. 
Carnell Cadillac Williams, who was the fifth pick in the draft the same year to Tampa Bay, he got hurt the sixth game until our sophomore year, broke his fibula, and then running got his start, and that's when running ran off and had like 1,200 yards rushing and uh, beat Larry Johnson out that year in the Capital One Bowl, and we beat Penn State. And then running got a big name, and then the rest was history for him. So in that same year, all three of us was drafted in the first round, our whole backfield. And at one point, Ronnie and myself had thought about leaving. Had we left, we wouldn't be as indebted into Auburn as we are now, and we wouldn't have been where we thought we would have gone because we'd have left too soon because we wouldn't have been there enough to learn a lesson through the adversity. And actually, I tell these kids all the time, guys, when you go through something, that's okay. I like, as long as you're learning something through that, I was just like, Harrison. I'm expecting people to hang you stuff. I said, that's how, when I was coaching my little, uh, my little, team, I said, stop expecting people to hang you stuff. I said, I'm not giving you a starting job. I said, if you're but late for practice, you are not starting. If you're a starter, you will not play the first quarter. I said, there's mm-hmm. rules and regulations. I said, I don't care if you are a star player. I said, try me and see it. So our star player showed up late one day. We can replay the tournament on that weekend. First quarter come. He started running out there. I said, well, where are you going? I said, you late for practice, buddy. Sit out the first quarter. Mm-hmm. He was mad. He stomped and everything else. I said, hey, rules are rules. And guess what? When he did get back out there, he never was late for another practice that year. He was always 10 minutes early. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, good. Because I, I think that's where, you know, we teach our kids, you know, the, the, the discipline part of it. And if you're undis- if you're undisciplined player, you know you're gonna be undisciplined on that right. on that court on that oh, field. It doesn't matter. So, what you're saying is so true, and it starts like you said. What we talked about earlier starts in the household because mm-hmm. parents gotta hold their kids accountable too. You can't expect for the teachers and the coaches to do your job. Right. So, kids can't drive themselves to games. And right. I can understand. You know, this is a big city. Traffic things happen in this big city, but. It's only a phone call or text. Hey, we're going to be late. Something happens. But when a kid when a kid walks in because he's the best player, he always thinks he's going to be able to get away with that. Right. So you have to nip that in the bud ASAP. Don't even let that go further because it's going to be some other coach that's going to tell him, you know what, it's not going to work here. And then that kid, because everything's been given to him, he's going to want to leave because if mom and daddy and everybody else has always catered to him, pampered him, and until a coach stands up and say, hey, you know, my program, we do things differently over here. I can win with you or without you. Right. And you're not as important as you think you are. Because when it's a program, it's just not about one player. Right. Hey, back to, to Nick's and Gatewood. The comp- leading up to last year, mm-hmm. they battled it out. You already mentioned that Nick's dad played for Auburn. Was the team and the fan base split? Who, what was the vibe? I mean, you're there. So. Yeah, the vibe was, uh, you know, like I say, you know, uh, you know, Bo grew up in Alabama. You know, he grew up in Birmingham. And uh, like I said, uh, so the whole state of Alabama, when there's no NFL teams in Alabama, that we are the NFL teams. And, uh, you know, with him being a star quarterback in high school down there, like I said, with his dad playing at Auburn, you know, of course the fan base was wanting to see what this kid had. And at the same time, they also wanted to see what Gatewood had. They was hoping that both of them got a chance to just play it out in the first couple of games and then let the games decide. Because when you see Gatewood, he, he's, a, he's a big dude. <laughs> you see, he's like, this man, this dude, he's huge. You know what I'm saying? So, but, uh, you know, 
And I think that was the plan at first was to maybe let both of these guys roll into the first two games, you know, split some of the reps and everything and, um, you know, be a quarterback by committee until, you know, one kind of, you know, pulls ahead of the other. But then I can understand why Gus made a decision to say, hey, we're going to go with one because, you know, as offensive line, you got to get used to hearing one quarterback. Receivers got to get used to seeing the ball coming from one guy. Uh, it's just all the timing and chemistry issues and everything. And for Gatewood, sure, he had no idea that, you know, Bo was coming there the next year. You know, I think Auburn was his only visit that he took when he came out of high school. And uh, and everyone, they was really high on him at Auburn. But I think at the end of the day, you know, it's just that, um, you know, I wish him the best. You know, I have talked to him before uh, when he was going through the transfer thing after he had made the decision. You know, I talked to him and, uh, you know, wished him best and everything and told him, you know, if he ever needed anything to holler at me, no matter if he's playing for whatever school or anyone. You know, I was just want to be a mentor to him. But, um, you know, I do think he's a great kid. I think he has a great mindset. Um, like I said, I think Kentucky, you know, they're going to be in good shape with him, uh, whether it's this year or next year. Um, I just think that he learned a lot, you know, through having to go through the competition he had to go through here at Auburn. Uh, having to deal with that. So, you know, so, you know, just unfortunate he can't play this week. I was kind of looking forward to it. Yeah. Now, Chad Morris, who was coaching at Arkansas last year, yeah. comes in as, as y'all's offensive coordinator. What are you expecting the chemistry between him and Gus to be like? Gus is an offensive guy. Mm-hmm. He plays. Got an offensive guy coming in who was a former head coach. Is, is Gus going to just let Chad do all the play calls? Um, they going to work together? How you – what do you – Nah, expect? it's definitely going to be a uh, Chad Morris show. You know, Gus has come out and said that he's going to let Chad do all the play calling. Uh, I think the thing about this is, you know, Chad was a great offensive coordinator at, at Clemson. He was at Clemson, you know, he had Taj Boyd. I think he had uh, Deshaun for like a year or two. So, you know, he's used to putting up big numbers, used to having big receivers. He likes to stretch the field, likes to be explosive on offense. That's the same thing he wants to do at Auburn. Now, Gus' run game, I think it's still going to be Gus's run game because, you know, that's been his bread and butter ever since he came to Auburn in 2010. uh, But he's not going to be the play caller. You know, he's going to kind of be the CEO of the team and let uh, Chad, you know, run the offense and everything. So I think it's going to be a a good thing for Chad and a good thing for Bo. but having uh, Chad Morris there, and I think for Chad and Coach Malzahn to both bounce the ideas off each other, I think is great for our team. Now, the thing is that uh, Gus is a little older than Chad, and Chad and Gus been knowing each other ever since the high school ranks. You know, Gus, I think, gave Chad his first job and, uh, and everything. So, you know, they go way back. So I think that's why it makes it better for them two to work together. Chad, but it's Jason. What is your prediction, man? Cut, 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 cut to man, the cheese. Man, you know what? Just cut the cheese. Oh. Let me see. Uh, you know. Putting you on the spot right now, Jason. What is Yeah, your you know. Put me on the spot. We're going to go back like we did last year. No, it wasn't last, was it last year. Yeah, last year in the, you know, what, Sweet 8? Was it Elite 8 or Sweet 16? Which one was that? Elite <laughs> man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Elite 8. Yeah, Elite 8. Yeah, Elite 8. We Lead got to the final four. My four. bad. I, I knew it was somewhere up there. But, uh. Man, I'm going to say Auburn 31, Kentucky 27. V, write that down, man. We'll have Jason. 31, 27. <laughs> Y'all can write it down, put it on the wall. 31, 27. 
about to, about, <laughs> hey, about to put the bed in, man. <laughs> Jason, I gotta, I gotta ask you too. While you own though, I mean, we've been all over the place, and we covered everything. In choosing Auburn, who did you pick Auburn over? What were the other schools? When yeah, you- man, I chose Auburn over uh, LSU and Georgia. Okay. So it came down between those three, and uh, I just chose Auburn because it just it was it was closer. Well, no, LSU was closer, but Auburn just felt more like a family atmosphere uh, when I went on campus and everything, and it just felt like home. And uh, to me, it just it just made the decision a lot easier uh, to go there. Speaking of Georgia, I I like where Kentucky's at too because mm-hmm. you all play Georgia right after you play Kentucky. Mm-hmm. You know, two y'all go to Athens. That's the what the second biggest rivalry game for you guys outside of Alabama. Give me the differences between those two. Talk to me about the Iron Bowl. We all watch that. And talk to me about that Georgia rivalry and and just compare and contrast them since you played in both of them. Yeah, you know, I, I'll probably say this. Um I probably say this. Kentucky, everyone, I, I used to matter of fact. Tony, I used to watch you play a lot in college, you know, first and foremost. I was a big Kentucky fan. Uh, I used to watch all y'all play against Duke and uh, and everything. So, you know, I, I definitely was a huge Kentucky fan growing up watching basketball. Um, when, I, when I think of uh, Auburn and uh, Alabama, it's like a – it's like a – a drag out, just a big, hard fight, you know, like in, like both teams respect each other, but at the end of the day, you want to be the boss of your state for 364 days until you play each other again on that 365th. And, uh, and you win that game and like you are, you're, you become legendary. I always tell people there are certain games where players become legendary and mm-hmm. Auburn, Alabama game is a legend or you become legendary. Auburn Georgia game, you can become legendary. In the Auburn LSU game, you can become legendary. I said, when you come to our school, those are the three main games when you look at a football schedule that you can make your mark and your imprint and uh, and everything. And and the Georgia game, the reason the Georgia game is so so big is half our half our players on the on the team are from Georgia. You know, Auburn is not, but an hour. Not even that. Auburn is 45 minutes from the Georgia state line, if that, maybe 30 minutes. You know, we're, we're that close to the Georgia state line. And then we're an hour and 30 minutes from Atlanta. And Atlanta has a whole bunch of talent. And uh, we're able to steal a bunch of guys each year from this area to come to school there. So when guys get ready to play that Georgia game, they're amped up because they're going against some of their buddies that they know on the Georgia team. And they know when they come back into the city, there's some noise talking. You know, it's some, you know, it's some noise talking. So those two games are just huge for that reason. And, uh, and like I said, man, those are the games you become legendary in and, and you make your imprint. Absolutely. Last week, Tony, man, we were talking about, you know, we talk about different guys you played with, different guys you know. And we we brought up Sean Marion just because how unique his shot was when you played mm-hmm. with Phoenix. Jason, would a guy like Sean Marion – to, does that the equivalent of Philip Rivers as a <laughs> there you, go. you got a unique way he throws the ball too? 
Yeah, I've been saying, yeah, you, that's a great point. Sean Merriman and, you know, Phillip Rivers are both unorthodox when it comes to their to their forms, shooting basketball and throwing a football. But, you know, it worked for so many years. What, Sean Merriman played for almost, what, 16, 17 years or something? Yep. And then, you know, Phillip Rivers is now his 17th year in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I always say, man, if it works for you, if something's working, why try to fix it? You know, that's my whole thing. If it's not broken, then leave it alone. But – you know, if it's something that's that's causing a kid to be to keep him from being successful, then yeah, you try to do everything you can to change it. But if the kid's having success with it, man, let that kid be. You know, that just maybe maybe one of his talents. You know, and uh, and everything. But you know, it's definitely definitely uh, you know uh, different. I say that it's different. <laughs> just think about this too, Jay. Thinking about how this how this Super Bowl might end up, you know, I know that oh, yeah. it might be a college a college Final Four, but who what two teams would you put in the Super Bowl this year? Ooh, I'll tell you right now, the NFC is going to come down between Seattle and Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. The AFC Championship game is going to come down to two teams playing Monday night: Baltimore and Kansas City. So, out of those four teams, I'm probably going to take. Ooh, I'm going to say. Baltimore, because when it's cold outside, you got to run the ball. Had KC, had KC, had Baltimore not lost last year, Kansas City would have been going to Baltimore for that, that oh. game. And but, I think Baltimore could have won that game because they run the football and you in cold weather. Well, Kansas City yeah. is cold too, but you would have been in Baltimore. Yeah. And Baltimore defense is a lot different defense. Like those guys can play. So right. – with Baltimore losing last year, it really helped Kansas City out once they got once they was able to go into the Super Bowl. Now you think about the NFC this year, Green Bay. Yes, they was in the NFC Championship game last year, but their offense looks totally different last year. Last year they basically got to the NFC Championship game just off of defense and just some things falling in their way. But this year, Aaron Rodgers playing like he got a chip on his shoulder. You know, I think he got a little upset that they drafted the kid Love. Yeah. Same thing that Tony we talked about earlier. Sometimes you need a little nudge. Sometimes it's competition. But I think that mm-hmm. was for them to get Aaron Rodgers to become uncomfortable. Like, his best, like, like you know what you said? is It's uncomfortable now. And you yeah. know when, like you said, you, like I said, you got this, this young pooper scooper over here, mm-hmm. and you are that dude. But now it, what he does is, like I said, he, he keeps pressuring you. Because even though you're playing excellent basketball, football, we still can right. go to him at some point. Time, but Aaron Rodgers like, no, dude, you're not getting on the field while I'm here. Right. So right. he's probably gonna be treated how Brett Favre treated him. It's like, right. yeah, you you're gonna be a great talent, but they're not gonna see it while I'm here. Right, and that's the thing. That's why I say, in dangerous Russ, man. Like I said, it's gonna come down to me because I think Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson gonna continue this success through the year. It's gonna come down to me which defense plays the best. Like, is the Green Bay defense or Seattle defense? And will there be fans at that standpoint of the season? Will we be to a point where people are allowed at that point? Will we be further ahead with the pandemic by then that they will allow fans? Because that would make a difference, too, whether it's home field. Because playing in Seattle in a championship game, we played in Seattle in 2007 with Redskins, um, and we played out there. Man, you cannot hear yourself talk. Even if you were talking to yourself, you couldn't hear yourself talk. So that's how loud it gets in Seattle. So it makes a huge difference. Uh, I've I've heard that, but you know, a, a now just hearing from you, like it's real. 
Right. And you don't want to play in Green Bay because it's going to be 19 below zero in the frozen tundra. <laughs> we talk about them cold, them cold <laughs> man, that y'all had to play outside. You know, it's different when you go to Wisconsin and you got to play inside or, or right. Illinois. You know, it's certain places where I felt for football players like, man, that, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to play football. I'm like, man, I got to play in the in the rain and in the cold. <laughs> I don't know. My joints are not built for that. <laughs> Hey, oh, Blade, man, you made the right decision, though. You had a good career in basketball. And uh, last question for me, though, if you're Giannis, do you try to go to the Warriors or you stay in Milwaukee and try to win a championship? You know what? I, I think if I'm Giannis, I do what LeBron did, Kevin Durant, and Kevin mm -hmm. Garnett. You can be loyal to an organization, and, and I know that organization because I know some of the ownership. I know some of the, uh, I know the the president, the GM. I know a lot of guys at the organization. So they are doing the right thing as far as trying to bring the right free agents, free agents there. And it's still a hard place to attract free agents. Right. But if to be honest, I have to think about my long term career. You know, mm -hmm. what would be the best place for me to go? And I think we're so caught up in winning championships. But in his mind, he's thinking, man, I'm just loyal to these dudes that I've been playing with for the last couple of years. So it's a, it's a tough decision. But also, I think the decision that LeBron made, you know, to leave Cleveland and to go to Miami, he went with the mindset of I have to win a championship for my for my legacy. You know what I'm saying? So because he could have he could have stayed in Cleveland for the you know, for those those years yeah, that he went to right. Miami. But he'd have been taunted all the time for not winning a championship. Think about that to change the narrative. I mean, you got to win yeah. championships, man. It's like, right. how, how can we put you in a conversation with Michael, Kobe, all mm. these great players if you ain't never won a championship? All right. Good point. So, right. Golden State sounds good to me. Yeah, that's why I say that him and uh, Steph Curry, they, I hear they're really good friends, and uh, Steph is his favorite player. So, you know, to me, it's just you had a number two pick. You're, you're Golden State with the number two pick in the draft. Are you going to take the kid out of Memphis or are you going to take the kid out of well, – uh, No, nah, I, I think what do is you draft Wiseman and mm. I would probably put Harrison Barnes – not Harrison Barnes, uh, Andrew Wiggins. Mm. I might throw him in and maybe like a future – a couple future draft picks just to get Giannis. Because, I mean, I think you can pull it off, but it has to be something really attractive to him that makes him yeah. just – you know, just pick up and say, hey, man, you know what? It's about time for me. I've done as much as I can here. But here's the thing, though. The West is tough. So you got to yeah. make a decision. And I'm not saying the East. They call it the East the least. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to go that far. But he hasn't even gotten his team to a conference final. Right. So right. if you go out West, if you're not with the right team out West, you're not – like, like he, he would never win a championship. So he got – he has to make the right decision if he goes to a Western Conference team. I think if, if he stays in Milwaukee, at some point in time – you know, he will get to maybe a, a finals in Milwaukee. But I thought, to me, Miami's not a bad place to go in. And, and what they should have right. done last yeah. year, Jimmy Butler left Philadelphia. Like, imagine Jimmy Butler going to Milwaukee playing with Giannis. And see, you, it goes back to your point, though. Who wants to go to Milwaukee when you can go to Miami for the better atmosphere? Hey, <laughs> so, if Giannis, I'm taking my butt to South Beach, and I'm going to play in the East. I'm gonna meet my boys out west in the championship. Yeah. Hey. But the other thing is though, if I'm CP3, do you go back to the Clippers and be the point guard for Kawhi and PG? Oh. 
You know what? That was that that was what they were missing. I, I like exactly that. what they missing. Yeah. And I like like I said, I, I kinda thought like I said, they didn't they didn't have that leadership either. Like like they had mm-hmm. they had guys that were used to being the second and third guy. And even right. when when we appointed uh Kawhi Leonard, you know, as as the best player, you know, next to LeBron, is that he's still not a vocal leader. You know, he's right. still a lead by example kind of guy. And in a clutch situation, you need someone to say, man, hey, this is what we got to do right now. And then the leadership was – their leadership was in question, you know. And I know it was mm-hmm. even more in question if you lose a 3-1 series is that right. up up 16, up 19, and you lose? Come on. Yeah. And then, then you talk about chemistry. I say there was no chemistry – talk when y'all was up 3-1. So all of a sudden you lose three games in a row. It's like our chemistry wasn't good. Come on, stop all that. But also some of that falls on Doc Rivers too. Like we can't leave him out of this equation and say, well, it was Kawhi, it was Paul George, it was this player, is that you still have to go back to the coach who allowed this to happen. You know, so he sometimes he brings in too many pieces. And when you bring in too many pieces, especially like a a Reggie Jackson, Mm -hmm. a guy who's looking to probably get another contract. You know, you want to have guys, I think that's that was the difference between Golden State was when Golden State won the championship, everybody had contract. So no mm-hmm. one was playing selfish basketball. But when you have guys that are thinking about feeding their families, man, I got I got to think about my next uh, my next deal, you know. Right. But when you can put the right pieces in place and you can give guys three or four year contract, you see you see a different play. Yeah. What What was the bigger choke? The Falcons this past Sunday or the Clippers? Oh, last- I say the Clippers all day because they in the. Uh... You know, the Falcons was a regular season game. You know, the Clippers, yeah, you yeah. up three to one. Like, you done had six opportunities, seven opportunities, you know, to win four out of seven games. So, okay. and to me, like, and you was the most dominant team. Like, for the Falcons, they were not the most dominant team against the Cowboys. Actually, the Cowboys it had more talent. They just gave away four turnovers in the first half, which put them in a hole. But they was expected to beat the Falcons. The Clippers was expected it's to beat like – I yeah. think, like you said, Jason, about, it, 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 about, that was a regular season game. Yeah. What about, the, what about the Falcons 28-3 versus the Patriots versus the Clippers? Now, the that's the Super Bowl. No, that's definitely the Falcons. You know, like yeah. you said, you know, the Clippers never have even made it to the conference finals. Yeah. You know, and uh, so you want to talk about the Falcons. You in the Super Bowl, you're 28-3. to Like, that's like – that's as high as it gets. You know, like that's as high as it gets. You you talking about winning a championship? Like you're halfway home. Usually got one more half to go, and uh, but everything. But I, I go back to his point where you talk about you know you have to hold a coach accountable. To me, Tony, it started back in regular season when I said I told my I told my I told somebody this. I said, look, they gonna have a problem because Paul George and Kawhi hardly ever plays together on the same night. I said, you can't just get to the playoffs and just say, oh, it's always going to, it's just going to come together. I said, it don't happen that way. I played sports way too long to know that you can't just, I don't care how much talent you got. You can't just throw it out there and just say, it's going to come together when we need it the most. No, what happened? When they needed it the most, it fell apart because they weren't used to playing together. It looked awful. That's what it looked like, you know. Yeah, it and looked awful. So think about this. So, so you're Doc Rivers coming into next season. What about the load load management? Are you gonna be an advocate of that, or you gonna let? Or no, you gonna I'm say, say you see where the load management got us? Got us home, <laughs> <laughs> home. I was like, so 
But you come here to win a championship. You Paul George, you come here to win a championship. My whole thing is, where was low management back when you was playing? Where was low management when Jordan and all them guys were playing Malone and Barclays and all them? I never heard no lowest management. I'm like, low management. Yeah. Like, you're making more money nowadays. They guys make twice as much money back now, nowadays exactly. than they do when y'all was playing. Exactly. And they sitting out games? Are you freaking kidding me? I was just like, when y'all was playing, you weren't making as much as these guys make now, but you was required to play 72 games unless you were hurt. Man, you, like I said, them suck, hey, they was trying to get hey, they was trying to get 82 out of your ass. You know, 70. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Yeah, but they were like, no, nah, we need 80 out of your ass. But, you know, these guys, now, nah, man, in, you know, just 60, 60 plus games and missing games and hanging out, you know, it's, it's a, it's a different, different temperature for me when I see guys that don't want to play the game. I'm like, man, dude, I never want to miss a game. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, where it come from for me. But, I'll you come um, from me. I grew know, up look, in Mississippi. <laughs> well, you know how we no, are, I grew man. I grew up in Mississippi. Anyway, so if LeBron or somebody came to play the Pelicans, and your family done paid six, seven hundred dollars to try to get two to three tickets to take their family to watch him play. If he's hurt and he can't play, that's one thing. Right. Healthy, and I'm at the game, and all of a sudden he just decided that they're gonna hold him out because of low management. I'm pissed because I'm just like, dude, you making millions, millions of dollars. You get a chance to do something you love. I said. And it's a blessing to be able to play the sport and you gift it. If you're not hurt, play. I like, what if back in the day, if Dr. Martin Luther King would have said, you know what? I'm tired. I'm not going to march today because I'm tired. Right. But he marched anyhow so that we could have a better life today. I'm just like, so we got to get out of that mindset of, you know, we're just too, we're too everything just got to be, Put away. We, we we run around like we're kings all the time. We gotta get out of that mindset where you still humble enough to say, you know what, this could have been for somebody else. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But it was given to me. So you know what? I'm playing unless I'm hurt. Because in the NFL, I didn't miss a game unless I just was hurt or broken yeah. bone or something. Like I played in many games. I can remember I can my reels was kind of almost cracked. I had to get shoot up, get shot up in the in the side just to play. Played in many games where I had plantar fasciitis, so I had to get my foot stuck in a bucket of ice for 10 minutes till it freezes up so they can shoot a long needle in it just to numb it up. Ooh, the yeah, so I was just like, all these things I had to do just to get through the game. I was just like, and you want to talk about freaking load management and you making over 30 some million dollars a year? Like, you can get your load management when you retire. Glad you ain't had high rise, Dr. Jason. Think about, no, think about what Jason just said, man. $30 million a year. And we talking about, man, I'm going to miss. Like, no, if, if I'm the owner, I'm paying. Dude, I, I need you to play all 82. That's that, hurt. I, I you can't money, get my money out right. of you, man. If I'm giving you $30 million a year. That, that's in, it's insane. But, you know, I, I think where we at right now, and I, and I, I commend these guys because, like I said, they're playing a lot longer. Um, but, you know, some of that is from, you know, not not going as hard, you know, because mm -hmm. now the game has changed. It's not as, you know, football was much more physical, you know, in the 90s, you know, 80s, oh, yeah. 90s. We can even go back further than that, but basketball was a physical contact sport. But so you're right, with, with them making this kind of money and the game not being a physical game, I can't see you really missing, man. For, for, for right. what a reason, mm -hmm. I don't understand. And like I say, fans, it will help pay your check. 
because they buy the games, they watch the games, they come to the game. So, you know, you can't just think of yourself all the time. You got to think, all right, I'm in this city. I play in Memphis one time this whole year. So if I play in Memphis one time this whole year and I'm healthy, I'm going to play because I know there's a parent that probably bought four or $5,000 worth of tickets to bring their whole family just to watch me play because right. I'm their son's favorite player. Right. To me, that bothers me if I sit that game out and I know I was healthy enough to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that just – I'm just – maybe we just built different. Maybe we just made out of the old stuff or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. One, one last thing, Tony. It's kind of random. For, and, man, Jason, we appreciate you hopping on to preview the game. and <laughs> it up. But, man, Jason, I'm sure you already know TD – being the entrepreneur that he is, a mm-hmm. wine guy, he got the Lorenzos, he got the Riesling, hey. the Chardonnay, he got the Cap, he got all the wines. And a couple episodes back, he's a huge wrestling guy. He went old school <laughs> with all the wrestling. He was talking about and rest RIP to the animal, Tony. I saw where he passed away. I know you grew uh, up watching him. Yeah, absolutely, uh, man. I mean, it's. Yeah. When 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 any when, when any of the great legends of of wrestling passed, man, you know when oh, it, yeah. you know, I, like I said, I started watching those when I was like five with my dad, and oh. and I was probably about three weeks ago. Uh, Scott Steiner's son trains in the gym, mm. and so I see him. I'm like Big Papa Pump, you know. I'm, I'm getting yeah. ready to run up on him. Run up on Big Papa like that, but yeah. but you know, I, but I was such a huge fan of them dudes, man. When they were NWO, I'm like, man. He's in right. my gym, and I'm like, let me go. I need to go say what's up to him. But long story right. short, they, you know, got a chance to stop and talk to him. Just an unbelievable dude, man. I told him, I say, you know, I was a huge fan of you growing right. up, but just wrestling in general, man, because, you know, I, I, I was something that my dad and I enjoyed together. Yeah. No, nah, I love wrestling. I used to Monday Night Raw. I used to always watch Monday Night Raw. Uh, <laughs> You get home, and especially if they like, do you smell what the rock is cooking? Like, you know, I used to like when him and Stone Cold used to go against each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was a matchup. What? Yeah, then when I got drafted by the Redskins, I had a chance to go watch uh, in person. They gave me tickets. And so I invited about four of my homeboys up from Mississippi I went to school with because I knew they loved wrestling. And we went to the, we went to the thing. Hey, you know, people can say whether some of it's fake or not. You know, it's just the entertainment when it was just off the charts. Yeah. Like I was pumped. Like the entertainment was was good. Yeah, you you like me on that one. So yeah, but we, like I said, we we appreciate having you on, man. I know we've had yeah. probably gonna live it over over our, our extended time here, but you know, when we we start chopping up, man. We start having fun, and before we know it, man, I'll go by extremely fast. No, it's all good, man. I enjoy coming on, man. Appreciate it, Vinny. Appreciate it, Tony. Yeah, so look okay. forward to catch up. You do it again, um, for sure. And the reason I brought all that up is because I just tell y'all real quick. I saw the tweet. The WWE, Tony and Jason, is launching a collection of wines starting with brands from the Ultimate Warrior and the Undertaker. So that's why I brought up. You know, I'm a wine guy now. I spent two years out in Oakland, so uh, Napa Valley was a close home for me. You know, so I know all about the wine tours and, and everything. You know, I collect them, so I definitely need to get me one of those. What you think, Tony? All right, man, I'm with it, man. WWE, WWE Wines.com. I know I don't, I, that's competition for you because you got your own. I ain't know how you, <laughs> how you 
It doesn't matter. Hey, Tony got a wine, man. I got to get one of your wines, man. I got I, I promote your wine for you, man. I got to get one of your wines. Yeah, Lorenzo's, man. Wildsidewinery.com. Lorenzo's is my wine. I have a Riesling, I have a Chard, I have a Cabernet that's aged one year in Bladen Bourbon Barrel. So if you like a little bit of bourbon, we got a little kick to it. So All check right. it out. Hey, Vinny, you got to take me that, man. You got to pass my number on to Tony, too, man, because I need to, I need to, I get some wine from you. I need to get on hey, that good song. Let's make it happen, brother. Oh, for sure. Jason, man, appreciate you. Honored to meet you and talk with you these past couple of days, man. And TD, man, you know, just keep what going. I think. And uh, uh, shout out to uh, seeablue.com, too. They're going to start posting every episode of this podcast on their website. So Jason Markman, all them fellas, putting our pod on their website. So appreciate that. Y'all check us out on iTunes, Spotify, where you get your podcast. Enjoy this episode. And, Jason, we wish you all the best, except on the scoreboard come Saturday, bro. Yes. Hey, man, you know what? You can follow me on you come follow me on IG at jcampbell17 because I got to work the game, so I'll be in the stands watching that butt whipping up close. So, <laughs> Lost terrain. Don't forget our watches, man. Lost terrain. That's right. Terrain. Get you a watch from, from uh, LaTerrain.com, too, Jason. Get you a, a flat time piece, man. Hey, okay. Okay. Yes, sir. Right, let's hold it down. Take care. All no. good. Y'all be good. Okay. Yep. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.